Chapter 24 Sick of Being Poised Adrian rarely walked onto a shoot with anything less than quiet confidence. His father had always stressed it, and made sure the aggressors maintained an unruffled countenance and a pristine reputation among the competitive brands. That was the only reason Adrian didn't immediately scowl as he entered the Calvin Klein studio. The photographers mobbed him the second he walked through the doors, all white teeth and empty compliments. Adrian almost regretted leaving his bodyguard in America, especially when the stylist got her hands on him. I can't thank you enough for partnering with us, she said, acrylic nails scraping down his arm. Unlike the others, her gaze still held a glimmer of innocent wonder. By the blind adoration in her expression, he guessed she was a fan. He didn't mind his fans, but he didn't like the idea of an infatuated stylist running his shoot, let alone an underwear campaign. But this was a one-time thing. Gabriel's agreement only covered one instance, one photoshoot. He couldn't let one woman's lingering interest sour his trained poise. She showed him into his dressing room, complete with a useless fruit basket and an intricate charcuterie board. At least Plague would be occupied while he was gone leaving the god of destruction alone in a room was asking for trouble. They want to start with these. She gestured to a small pile of fabric, pink dusting her cheeks. Once you've changed, you can put on a robe and come out for hair and makeup. I appreciate it. He waited for her to leave, a cloud of pink dusting her cheeks, before he let the professional expression slip off his face. Plaid was already laughing in greedy delight, zooming for the wheels of cheese. I miss these things, he crooned. We should do this more often, at least for the camembert. Shaking his head fondly, Adrian plucked up the garment the stylist gestured to. His nose wrinkled at the colour. It was nothing exciting, just a basic grey. That only reinforced the idea that Adrian or, more specifically, his body was the campaign's true allure. He thought back to the billboards from his perfume advertisements, all the uproar those caused. Back then, he wasn't an adult the craze was contained by his age. This, on the other hand, I really don't want to do this. It was the most honest thing he'd said in his life, and the way Plague stopped eating, the Kwame knew it. Eyes narrowed to slits, Plague raised a paw toward the underwear. I can destroy it, if you like. You know that's not going to solve anything. Then I'll break your arm. That should buy you a couple of weeks. Adrian laughed, pacing the length of the dressing room. It had only been a few months since his last shoot, but the scrap of fabric in his fist felt like a red-hot brand. How long would it be before he was out of the limelight? How long until he was seen as the future CEO of aggressed fashion rather than some ditzy model? After Gabriel's diagnosis, Natalie assumed the position to let Adrian go to university. It was a gift Adrian hadn't expected, but one he also couldn't refuse. Both of them knew he didn't have the experience or faculties to sustain such a large-scale corporation. Besides, Natalie would give anything to stay at Gabriel's side. She might be CEO on paper, but his father still pulled the strings. My father, he scoffed, chucking the outfit onto the vanity. Who is he to tell me who I am? First I'm a son, 
then I'm a failure, then I'm a model, a businessman, and when all that isn't enough, I'm a superhero for him to fight. It doesn't even matter that I beat him. He won a long time ago. Without warning, Plaid grabbed him by the ear and yanked him close. Wake up, he shouted, and Adrian couldn't budge from his grip. Your piece of crap father is drooling in a hospital bed while you're studying medicine and taking down criminal organizations. You're an incredible hero, Adrian, and a damn good friend. So stop putting yourself down. You won. Adrian wrestled out of his grasp, not sure if the burning in his eyes was from Plague's fervent tone or his breath. Just shut up so I can get this over with, he said. Plague scoffed at his blatant lack of response, but he went back to the charcuterie board. Blowing out a breath, Adrian started on the buttons of his shirt. This was the worst part of any shoot, in his opinion, the part that was all up to him. Because in the end, it was his decision to undress and change into what the stylist selected. It was the illusion of control. He grimaced at himself in the full-length mirror, the sheer amount of skin on display hollowing out his stomach. And the tattoo stretching from the base of his ribs to his hip bone. He covered it with his hand, doing his best to put it in his mind. He tied on the provided robe and abruptly left the dressing room. If he took any longer, he was afraid he'd bow out. Just that morning, he was on the phone with one of the many lawyers employed by Agrest Fashion. She explained the repercussions that would ensue if he didn't follow through with the shoot, how it might put his future CEO position at risk. Adrian invested too much of his childhood too much of himself into the company to let that happen. For today, he would put his discomforts aside, if only for his future. The set was more crowded now that the photographer and his team arrived. Adrian smiled wholeheartedly at the familiar man, that ever-present camera hanging from his neck. Nice to see you again, M. Vincent, he said, extending a hand to shake. As always, M. Vincent responded with double the enthusiasm. Adrian, my dear boy. I didn't know you were still modelling. His grin smoothed into a frown and he glanced toward the set as if he'd forgotten it existed. Adrian put an unconscious hand on the front of his robe, as if M. Vincent and the entire room wasn't about to see him naked. As much as I've enjoyed it, I'm hoping this will be my last session. In a manner very much unlike him, M. Vincent beckoned him to his workstation a makeshift desk amidst rows of backdrops. I must speak to my subject alone, he announced to the crew his voice all grandeur and pomp. Please forgive the delay, but artistic perfection must not be rushed. Once they were alone, though, that arrogant snobbery was exchanged for a deep consideration. Adrian could feel himself unravelling beneath his scrutinising stare, honed from decades of putting together the perfect shot. He felt like a child again, on the other end of that inspection. He half expected Vincent to talk about Mama's spaghetti. You walk onto set, I know you don't want to do this, he said matter-of-factly, his tone low enough to go unheard by the other crew members. If this is true, I don't want you as my model. Calvin Klein wants me, Adrian responded coolly. And I'm guessing they want you, too, badly enough to get you down here. Neither of us get a choice in this. 
At that, M. Vincent's brows flicked up toward his receding hairline. I assume your father has something to do with this. Adrian shrugged. Your guess is as good as mine. Even after everything went down with Hawkmoth, Adrian was careful not to speak badly of his father. He wasn't the CEO of Agrest Fashion yet, but he still needed to keep up Gabriel's well-known facade. His father was a monster in his own home, but to the outside world, he was the face of the fashion industry. Adrian would be a fool to squander that. M. Vincent muttered an Italian curse. I was told the model was young, but I didn't want it to be you. At Adrian's blanched expression, he sighed and added, I watched you grow up, Adrian. Modeling clothes is one thing, but this. He winced at the Calvin Klein banner being put up on set. It's one shoot, Adrian said weakly. Do you really think this is going to be like every other shoot? M. Vincent rubbed a hand over his mouth, his fingers shaking. After this, your fans are going to think they know you well enough to be, forward. And I know you think they're already forward, but I'm telling you, it's going to get a thousand times worse. Adrian fiddled with the fluffy ties of his robe, hating the way he couldn't shut down the anxiety prickling down his spine like he normally could. Because he knew the truth behind M. Vincent's words, the uproar this campaign would cause. And he couldn't do anything about it. The only time he ever felt truly in control was as Chat Noir, but this wasn't a situation Chat Noir could save him from. Adrian caught himself slipping back into Chat's fearless mindset. The mindset that let him run around Paris past midnight, the one that made people feel safe, the one that let him kiss Marinette Dupain Cheng beneath the Eiffel Tower. That was the smartest and stupidest thing he'd ever done. He wasn't planning on doing it wasn't he planning on thinking of anyone that way but after watching her shout at him, the brightness of her eyes was nothing short of enchanting, he couldn't resist. For a split second, he thought she was going to slap him. It was the best shock when she didn't. She was everything he missed about Paris the warmth, the thrill, the constant sense of belonging. He thought she was incredible to begin with, but to feel her whole body against his, to practically inhale her soul. After they pulled away, he took her back home. Neither of them said anything. The air was still heavy with the lingering fear of the shootout and the exhaustion clouding Marinette's features. He lifted her hand to his lips, the furthest he'd let himself go. Good night, princess. The real tenderness in her eyes was enough to make leaving the most difficult thing in the world. But leave he did, and he had yet to see her since. Sure, there were his daily interactions with her on campus, but it wasn't the same at all. Adrian didn't get to see Marinette the way Chat saw her, the way she truly was. Witnessing her conversations with Olya and Nino, so void of the energy he was used to, made his skin crawl. He tried to visit her the last couple nights, but she wasn't home. After what happened at Second Skin, he couldn't help wondering if she was using that time to throw herself into more dangerous situations. The minute the shoot was over, he could spend the rest of his weekend searching for her. The sooner they started, the sooner he found Marinette. I can handle it, he told M. Vincent, hardening his voice into Chat Noir's smug tone. Before the photographer could pick his answer apart, 
Adrian turned for the hair and makeup stations. The beauticians grinned at him, but all he saw was vain greed. While the hairdresser teased out his curls in a perfect imitation of Bedhead or at least what he hoped was Bedhead the stylist pulled the makeup artist over. I want his eyes dark, but make his lips soft. Adrian had to tune her out after that. It was all the confirmation he needed that this campaign was never about the clothes. And he thought his father couldn't get any more repulsive. The makeup artist did his job well enough, judging by the stylist's pleased expression. Adrian couldn't bring himself to look in the mirror, too scared of what twisted version of himself he might see. All right, time for the robe to come off, said the makeup artist, laying out another bronzer palette. He raised an eyebrow. I thought the makeup was just for my face. The makeup artist chuckled, pushing his glasses higher up his nose. Trust me, M. the Grest, no one's going to be looking at your face. Adrian was going to be sick. He shrugged off the robe, and the stylist took it from him. He tried not to notice the way her eyes flitted down his chest before she finally walked away. Get used to it he thought wryly. You're going to be dealing with this for a while. The makeup artist made him stand up, and Adrian winced at the first prickle of the makeup brush. It was over his arms, down his sternum, across his stomach. He felt touched in the worst way possible. Do you know your concealer shade for this? asked the artist, tapping Adrian's tattoo with the hard end of the makeup brush. Adrian opened his mouth to answer but the stylist cut in. Leave it. He went absolutely still, breath catching in his throat. The makeup artist spoke for him. With all due respect, it will certainly draw away from the brand. People's eyes will be drawn to this rather than the Calvin Klein waistband. It adds character, she corrected. Keep it. Adrian gritted his teeth an act that didn't go unnoticed to the makeup artist. This looks very personal, the artist murmured. Not at all, he forced out, trained countenance slipping back into place. Like she said, it adds character. It sets me apart. The panic was a tsunami in his chest, threatening to destroy his cool, collected facade. If Calvin Klein did their job right, everyone in Paris was going to see this ad. That meant she would see it, and then she'd have questions, and then he'd have to face the reason he got it in the first place. When they finally moved him onto the set, lights positioned to blind him and backdrop perfectly ironed, Adrian's mind went entirely blank. He couldn't think beyond the cameras focused on him, the people staring, how utterly exposed he was. M. Vincent peeled off from the other photographers, his expression foggy with concern. Take a minute. Son. We'll take some test shots and call you back in a few. There was no room for argument. Adrian nodded sharply and returned to the dressing room. By the time he was inside, his chest had tightened to the point of pain. Geese, kid, what did they do to you? Plag asked, the usual sneer in his voice completely dissipated. Adrian grabbed for his phone, hurriedly punching in Natalie's number. She picked up on the third ring. Hello? I don't want to do this, he blurted, feeling more out of control than ever before.
There are plenty of other ways a Grest fashion can partner with Calvin Klein. I know plenty of other models who would be more than happy to take my place. Natalie's huff was nothing short of disappointment. Calvin Klein didn't ask for any other models, they asked for you. Your father knew what he was doing when he helped you sign on for this. I'm sorry you're feeling badly, but I can promise you it's for the best. Now if you'll excuse me, I have other calls to tend to. She hung up, and Adrian didn't have the energy to be surprised. He just stood there in the center of the room, waiting for his breathing to steady. He already knew the answer before he called, but his desperation got the better of him. He wanted to believe that somehow, he would be saved from this. That somehow, he could have escaped his father's hold without losing the last of his innocence. But Ladybug's reach didn't extend to this level of corruption. Adrian was alone in this. Then something grabbed onto his side, and he startled at Plag clutching fiercely at his ribs. You know I can do something about this, Kwame said, voice muffled against Adrian's powdered skin. Let me destroy their cameras, and their fancy lights. Let me help. Despite his anxieties, Adrian wasn't selfish enough to risk his Kwame's privacy, or scare the crew members. Not today, Plag. He plucked the little god off his side and set him on the untouched charcuterie board, ignoring the way Plag tried to nip at his fingers. If Chatnoir doesn't back down from a fight, Adrian Agrest isn't backing down from one silly photoshoot, he added, doing his best to channel his alter ego's endless swagger. Plag shot him a dejected look, mouth stubbornly closed. There was a knock at the dressing room door, the stylist's leering voice, we're ready for you. Wish me luck, Adrian said and threw himself back to the walls. Hours later, he was fully clothed and fully disgusted with himself. He couldn't transform fast enough, spending the entirety of the day running around Paris and convincing himself it hadn't been that bad. With M. Vincent running the shoot, the poses hadn't truly crossed any lines. Maybe towed it, but M. Vincent always stopped things before they went too far. What Adrian was most concerned about was his impulsive tattoo, and the fact it was completely out on display. Vincent did his best to focus on Adrian's plainer side, but the stylist was adamant. It doesn't have to be the focus, but I want it in the background, she said on several occasions. The people want to see him as a person, not just a model. Every time, Adrian subconsciously tried to cover it up. And every time, M. Vincent had to reluctantly remind him to keep his arms away. If not for the fact he was practically naked, Adrian might have enjoyed the shoot. He was good at modeling. His skill was the only positive thing that had come from his father's household, and to give it up all summer had taken more out of him than he'd thought. Then again, it was only with decent artists like M. Vincent that he felt comfortable on set. As the industry got more cutthroat, those decent artists were few and far between. But after this campaign, getting hired for clothed shoots would be more difficult. M. Vincent had warned him about that, too. The best option to focus on was his university classes and the position waiting for him at a Grest fashion. Those would be less concerned with his appearance and more with his undeniable experience, and they couldn't be hindered by his father's meddling. 
After these pictures came out, he was completely free of his father's hand, and completely on his own with how to deal with the backlash. His current plan was to ignore it, and if that didn't work, to spend more time as Chatmore so he was forced to ignore it. And then there was the tattoo to think about. Despite the fear he felt at it being seen by all of Paris, he couldn't bring himself to regret it. He had it done the first week in America, while his world was being turned upside down. It was the choice of a scared boy, a tribute to the only thing that brought him comfort. Who was he to invalidate a child's place of peace? He knew he wasn't a child anymore, but in that moment, when everything was ripped out of its roots, it was like experiencing pain for the first time. His response was pure instinct. Now he was going to have to face the consequences. Chat found himself running a circuit around Marinette's apartment, uncertain as to whether or not he should approach her. On the one hand, he couldn't stop thinking about her and wanted to make sure she was doing all right. On the other hand, maybe he hadn't heard from her for a reason. Maybe she changed her mind after that night at the Eiffel Tower. It took half an hour of indecision before he finally climbed the lattice to her balcony, heart warming at the light flickering through her bedroom window. He inhaled a deep breath and rapped at her door, then leaned back against the metal railing. He wanted to give her space in case she changed her mind a possibility he didn't truly want to consider. There was the sound of a book closing, and then Marinette was peeking her head out. At the sight of him, her lips quivered into the semblance of a smile. Hey, Kitty. She moved into the moonlight, incandescent in her baggy pyjama set. Her hair was down, she smelled of coffee, and all his worries over the shoot felt insignificant beneath the power of her elegance. Though he knew it wasn't enough, that his words would never be enough to encompass everything he felt, he said, you look gorgeous. Thank you. She braced her elbow on the railing, a smile faltering slightly when she met his gaze. She put her hand on his cheek unflinchingly, brow pinching together. Are you okay, she murmured. It would be so easy to lie. So easy to laugh it off, sweep her off her feet, distract her with some overdramatized story of walking a grandmother across the street. Chat steeled himself to do just that before she drew closer to him, her gaze never leaving his. Then her thumb was stroking his cheekbone, and he couldn't hold it any longer. He dropped his head onto her shoulder. It's been a long day. Come here. Taking his hand, she led him gently to her lounge chair. She sat, and he stretched out over her legs. Once they were settled, his arms around her waist and his face pressed into her stomach, she started playing with his hair. Tell me about it, she said. I was forced to do something I really, really didn't want to do, he admitted, barely keeping himself from telling the truth and giving away his identity in the process. The decisions were made for me, and I couldn't do anything about it. I could only stand there and, and try not to fall apart. That's horrible, chat. Her voice was soft above the ever-present blare of taxes and street vendors, her steady heartbeat pounding through his ears. I'm so sorry. He let out a thin breath, unsettled by how close it was to a sob. She had nothing to apologize for, but she was doing it because no one else would. Because no one else saw the injustice, and no one else ever would.
Even Ladybug didn't see him as holy as Marinette did. She saw the near-fatal injuries, the fearful tones, and now, the daily battles of his civilian life. She saw it all, and the only way she responded was by embracing him, by stitching him up and telling him to be careful. Chat would never deserve her. He didn't dare speak, too afraid of the tightness building in his throat. He might trust her with his life, but he didn't trust her with his tears not yet, at least. Marinette was still under his protection, so she had to see him as close to invincible as possible. He was her protector as much as she was his comforter. No photoshoot, however uncomfortable, was going to change that. I'm here, she told him, combing her fingers through the snarls of his hair. Take as much time as you need. You're worth every second, okay? He tightened her hold on her, smushing his nose against her shirt. Was she trying to get him to cry? Between her words and the way she had yet to stop touching him, he was having a hard time keeping the shrinking in his lungs under control. Then he heard the footsteps, and Chatmois snapped back into play. Someone's in your room, he told her quietly, pushing slowly off her stomach. Marinette held his arm tightly, forcing him to look at her. It's just my friend Olya, she told him firmly, eyes dancing with a silent sort of amusement. She likes to show up uninvited from time to time. You don't have to go into badass mode, I promise. Chat gave her a dry look that made her snort. You wound me, princess. Before he could talk himself out of it, he leaned forward and pressed a kiss to her forehead. Have fun with your friend, he said, standing up to leave. But as he leaped to the next rooftop, he thought he glimpsed blue through her bedroom window. Olya must be wearing a blue shirt today. Chapter 25, I got your picture, I'm coming with you, dear Marinette let me in. Adrian didn't see Marinette for a solid week. There were classes to worry about, of course, but she was always absent from their study sessions. As much as he wanted to track her down, Adrian couldn't risk breaking Ladybug's promise by leaving Olya unattended. Well, unattended by a miraculous holder. Nino had yet to leave his girlfriend's side, to the point the bags beneath his eyes rivaled Marinette's. Every time Adrian offered to take an unofficial shift for him, Nino slammed another Red Bull and adamantly refused. That didn't keep Adrian from sticking close by, scanning their surroundings with the same vigilance as his alter ego. Olya, to her credit, appeared far less shaken as the days went by. She buried herself in homework, and when that wasn't enough, she lived in the reports of Ladybug and Chatnoir's latest escapades. If I know who their target is, I can start searching for some substantial evidence, she told Nino. Then I might be able to actually help instead of sit around. Whoever they are, they're trying to kill you, Nino retorted, eyes narrowed behind his dark-rimmed glasses. It's best to stay away from the action, babe. Let the superheroes deal with it. Olya turned to Adrian, brow raised in annoyance. Would you tell him he's overreacting? Putting down his pen, Adrian leaned back in his chair, weighing both Olya and Nino's pleading states. On the one hand, he understood Olya's argument. Chatnoir had a constant target on his back, but earning that target was a feat in itself. 
It was a badge of success, a sign that he was a threat to criminals. Still, he shrugged. He's not. He just doesn't want you to die. You're as bad as him. But Olya's mouth pursed in a thin line, gaze dropping back to her work. Adrian swung his leg onto the edge of Nino's chair, a silent sign of his support. The way Nino blew out a breath gave away the toll the week had taken on him, the raw stress dragging him down. Adrian hadn't seen him so on edge since finals week of senior year, and even then, it felt more natural. This overwhelming sort of intensity was unheard of, especially for someone as mild-tempered as Nino Lahif. Can you leave me alone for five minutes, someone snapped. Whipping around fast enough to drop his pencil, Adrian found Marinette at the entrance of the library, arms crossed stubbornly over her chest. She was glaring up at a balding, broad-chested man. His leather jacket and myriad of tattoos made Adrian's heart sink. With a slow dip of his chin, the man went back to stand outside, feet spread wide in what Adrian recognized as a defensive stance. A guard. Why did Marinette have a guard? Why wasn't it him? Adrian's blood was ice, his stomach was in knots, and he couldn't tell if he was angry or afraid. Raking a hand through her hair, Marinette plopped down at their table with a graceful sigh. You have no idea how glad I am to see you, she told Olya, a hand on her arm. This week has been ridiculous. I was about to send in a missing persons report, said Olya, glancing in Adrian's direction. It was difficult to remain slumped in his chair, to pretend he was looking through an anatomy textbook instead of picking apart every word out of Marinette's mouth. What's with all the motorcyclist wannabes following you around? Nino added, setting down his half-empty can of Red Bull. They've been skulking around campus ever since the shooting. Olya shifted in her seat. I mean, it kind of freaked me out at first, but they've been walking me to class and stuff. It's like they're waiting for me or something. Marinette stopped pulling books out of her backpack, blinking at Olya. You too? Whoever they are, they're not police, Adrian said tightly. If they start bothering either of you again, you call me. Or Nino, he added, desperately forcing down his flush. The police didn't dissuade my shooter. Olya pushed up her glasses, glancing momentarily up from her computer to level a glare in Adrian's direction. Someone's giving us protection, so I'm not complaining. Right, Marinette. Throat bobbing, Marinette toyed with the collar of her sweater. Right. The chill melted from Olya's expression, and she scooted closer to Marinette. Adrian marveled at how quickly her mood brightened in Marinette's presence, how quickly Olya could dismiss her issues in favor of spending time with her friend. Marinette just had a calming energy about her, a sense of easy control that he both envied and reveled in. Oh my gosh, I completely forgot. You haven't shown me yet. Olya whispered loudly, tugging at the edge of Marinette's sleeve. Smiling tersely, Marinette turned to face Olya and pulled down the shoulder of her top. Adrian couldn't see it, but he watched Olya's eyes widen. It's beautiful. She pressed her fingers to Marinette's throat, and Marinette stiffened. Honestly I wasn't sure about Luca, but that boy's got a gift. 
Adrian had to swallow down the bile in his throat, jealousy blazing through his ribs. All he could do was work his jaw and hope they stopped talking about Marinette's almost murderer. But he underestimated Nino's perceptiveness. Hey, don't leave us out, he said cheekily, kicking Adrian's shin. Let's see it, Marinette. It was all Adrian could do to keep an even expression as Marinette twisted in their direction, her shirt yanked completely off her shoulder. Done in black and white, the rose began at the top of her shoulder, ran along her collarbone, and ended at the hollow of her throat. The petals were pure and silken, but the stem and leaves were wilted, an invisible current pulling it down. From an artist's perspective, it was incredibly well-drawn Nino said as much. But Adrian was no artist. All he could see was Luca's eyes on her skin, his handiwork woven through the ink. Adrian knew it wasn't a brand, wasn't some animalistic claim, but he couldn't help the fury pounding in his ears. Because Luca had used her to practice his artwork and then had the audacity to try and have her killed. But he had to remind himself where he was, that Marinette was about to witness whatever his reaction might be. She had no part in it, and didn't deserve to face his irrational frustration. She got a tattoo, that was all. Luca's actions weren't her fault. So he mirrored Nino's reassuring smile and said, he's right. It's gorgeous. He raised his hand before he remembered where he was, who he was. Adrian couldn't touch her like he wanted to, like Chat Noir could. He dropped his hand on her notebook instead, tearing his stare away from her chest. He had to switch his focus away from Luca, had to quell the rage pulsing steadily against his ribcage. What are you working on right now? Marinette pulled up her sleeve and explained her strategy for the homework assignment, and then it was back to the harmless push and pull of two struggling college students trying to get through their overbearing classwork. Still, there were periods of time where Adrian was so distracted by the sheer existence of her voice, her energy, her essence that it was hard to concentrate on the material. There were three separate occasions where she had to nudge his leg to get him to pay attention, and each time he had to repress a flustered blush. He felt Nino's eyes on the back of his neck, too, a sure sign he was going to be interrogated. While they continued through her lecture notes, reviewing anything that might be on next week's exam, Adrian started mentally preparing a defense. Do you like Marinette? No. Then why are you staring at her all the time? Because she's hot. Adrian winced, disgusted with himself. The best option would be to deny anything and everything, that way he didn't have to speak much and almost give something away. If it were just Nino questioning him, it wouldn't be a problem. But if he told Nino, then Olya would know, and then Marinette would know, and then Adrian would be stuck in the middle of a love triangle with his alter ego. That sounded way too messy to even consider. It'd be so much easier if he just told her. Maybe she'd feel safer with his civilian self, maybe she wouldn't have to be walked around campus by a pack of middle-aged motorcyclists, maybe they could even hold hands. A thought struck him like a lightning bolt, and he straightened in his chair. The balding man was still standing outside the door, but now he had a flip phone held to his ear. He narrowed his eyes, drawing on his experience to search for and find the bulge of a gun in his jacket, another tucked into his waistband. Adrian? 
Marinette's features were set in an exasperated pout, and she tapped her pen on the notebook. Are you paying attention? It's a gang, he murmured, eyes never leaving the front doors. They know this place is monitored by campus police, but they're here anyway. They're protecting someone. Marinette pressed the tip of her pencil into his finger. Come on, we have stuff to do, she insisted, but her tone was strained. Then Luca Kufain appeared beyond the glass door, his arm moving for the door handle. Adrian was on his feet before he could think it through, and he gritted his teeth against the vicious threat bubbling in his throat. Chat Noir knew what Luca was Adrian didn't. That didn't stop him from standing still as Luca approached their table. Hey, Adrian, said Luca smoothly, hand lifted in a casual wave. That same hand came to rest on Marinette's shoulder, and he leaned toward her ear. Are you ready for dinner? Maybe it was paranoia, but Adrian could have sworn Luca flashed him an arrogant once-over, chin raised as if to say what are you going to do? The answer was absolutely nothing. There was nothing he could do. He had no claim to her outside of friendship, and it didn't take a genius to know that wouldn't be enough for Luca. But he tried to have her killed. Adrian couldn't let him get another opportunity. Marinette's expression shuttered into something pleasant, and she calmly closed her notebook. I thought you were going to meet me there, she said, a thread of animosity knitted through her words. Figured I'd walk you. Luca picked up her backpack before she could get her hands on it, then scooped up her folders and stuffed them inside. Olya and Nino watched silently, the former intrigued, the latter confused. If Adrian was slightly less in control of his emotions, he would have gaped. Marinette of all people knew how dangerous Luca was, how deceitful and violent his intentions were. At first, his heart sank with betrayal. Were all her interactions with Chat Noir faked? Was she dating some sort of criminal mastermind? Was she toying with Chat's emotions in order to hide her boyfriend's business dealings? How could he have been so naive as to trust her? Before he let his imagination run away, Adrian glimpsed the shadow of keen intelligence behind her stare, the suspicion that was absent from her expression when she was with Chat. He recalled Ladybug's explanations that Marinette was playing it smart. She stood up, and Luca's arm was immediately around her waist. I'll text you, she told Ulya, then glanced toward Adrian. The corners of her mouth dipped down for the briefest second before they fixed into a smile. See you guys later. Luca grinned at them, too, before pulling Marinette away. Adrian dug his fingernails into his palms, letting the pain cut through the roaring in his head. If playing it smart meant what he thought it did, then Marinette was sacrificing far more of herself than she should have to. And if Ladybug put her up to this, if Ladybug was encouraging this, then Adrian really didn't know his partner at all. Did Marinette think this was the only way? Did Luca have something over her? How did he even win her back after that shootout? Ah, uh, Adrian? Are you good? Nino asked. Adrian realized he hadn't moved, that Marinette and Luca had long since left the library. Something's off with Luca, he said hollowly. He's giving me the creeps. Or Marinette's dating someone other than you. That could be the problem, 
Nino pointed out, his smirk far too playful for the situation. No, he's right. Adrian was surprised by Ulya's statement, her eyes glazed over with troubled thought. She wrapped a strand of hair around her finger. Marinette's acting really uncomfortable around him. Something's wrong. Nino hummed, considering his girlfriend. We could stalk them, he suggested coolly. Olya unlocked her phone. She shared her location with me a few years ago and forgot to turn it off. We can track her. Adrian almost jumped on board before remembering his responsibility in the situation. He was the superhero, not them. Not only that, but if they followed Marinette and Luca found out, it could blow Marinette's entire operation out of the water. As much as Adrian might like that, there was too much at stake to risk that. No, let's leave her alone, said Adrian, forcing as much sincerity into his voice as he could. We should trust Marinette. She knows what she's doing. Because civilians shouldn't be sticking their nose into Luca Kufain's dealings, they shouldn't be risking their lives for scraps of information. And if what Olya said was true, if the members of Luca's gang were truly monitoring her, then her movements were definitely being tracked. That was another thing Ladybug said Luca was responsible for Olya's death threat, but now his gang appeared to be protecting her. Either Ladybug was wrong, or Luca had something up his sleeve. Both sent a chill down Adrian's spine. The holes in the story were far too great to ignore, especially with Marinette at stake. So, after Olya and Nino were convinced to stay put and track Marinette's phone from afar, Adrian excused himself from the table. As he passed the unofficial guard still standing outside of the library, he gestured to his ear. I like the snake, he said. The man shot him a glare, and Adrian grinned at the yellow bruise covering his cheek. He'd know his alter ego's handiwork anywhere. It confirmed what he already suspected that the men around campus were Lucas, and that they were here to protect someone. Was it Olya or Marinette? If it was Olya, that was perfect. It was one less thing for Chatnoir to worry about, one less stressor off his back. But if it was Marinette? There was only one person in Paris capable of truly protecting Marinette, and it was him. In a matter of minutes, he was transformed and running to find her. Chapter 26, The World is on Fire, and I Lit the Match. Marinette picked at her overpriced salmon, foot tapping on the plush carpet. You don't like it? Luca asked, setting down his knife. He'd gone for a steak and a side salad, both of which were half-eaten. Arms crossed, Marinette sat back in her chair. What are we doing here, Luca? He frowned. We're having a nice meal, I thought. When are you going to tell me about Allery? In time. He went back to sawing off a hunk of his meal, all grace and poise. As much as Marinette wanted to reach across the table and slam his head into his plate, she forced herself to remain still. If he was smart, he would have told someone else her secret as insurance. If she tried to incapacitate him somehow, everyone would know. She'd lose the bakery, her title, lose every scrap of power she had left. She couldn't risk it. Luca dabbed at his mouth with a cloth napkin. So, how are classes? 
Marinette fixed him with a hard look, hating the way his knowing smile didn't fade. Together, they looked entirely out of place in the restaurant. Her sweatshirt and his leather jacket were far too worn to belong. Still, the waiters had escorted them to the best table immediately, the one with a view of Seikakawa. Marinette recognized fear when she saw it, even if it was disguised by fancy dress and an elegant posture. Maybe Luca wasn't lying maybe he really did have dirt on everyone. They're going well, she said. I would tell you about them, but I'm sure you already know from following me around. I don't follow you around, I had you followed. There's a difference. Marinette tightened her grip on her fork. Care to explain why exactly I can't move two feet without an armed guard at my side? In case you've forgotten, there was a shooter targeting your campus just a few weeks ago, said Luca, an eyebrow raised in defiance. Forgive me if I want to ensure your safety. Snorting, Marinette blew out a laughing breath. You and I both know I can handle myself. Luca took a slow sip of his wine, taking a moment to swirl his glass. Marinette couldn't tell if he was trying to be pretentious or if it was just his nature. I do. But you can't blame me for taking precautions. If you hadn't noticed, my men have been protecting Olya as well. Isn't that what you wanted? There was no right answer Marinette could think of. She did want Olya safe, and Luca's 24-7 security wasn't hurting matters. Still, it had been a week of this cat-and-mouse game and she was getting sick of beating around the bush. You have yet to give me a good reason to side with you, she told him. The blackmail wasn't enough. At her answering glare, he leaned forward and put a hand on hers. It's a joke, Marinette. If I'm being honest, I've been stalling. She didn't soften. Is that supposed to reassure me? I've been with the serpents since I was 18 years old. He responded sharply, his expression darkening. Forgive me for clinging to what flawless light you bring into my life. Marinette's heart skipped a beat, the intensity in his expression too vulnerable to be anything but the truth. And if it was the truth, if he truly felt, some sort of way about her. 18. Luca nodded, readjusting the chunky ring on his middle finger. It was a week or so after my mother died. Julica had come and gone for the funeral. She invited me to go to Spain with her, to get out of Paris and start fresh, but there's something about the city. Its cracks, its flaws, the beautiful history hidden beneath it all. There's an addiction there. So even though it hurt, and even though all I wanted to do was run, I stuck around. But I was bored of music, and the serpents were hiring a tattooist. You know the rest. He leaned back in his chair and tilted her head, an open invitation. She wanted to immediately dismiss him, but his description of Paris was similar to her own perception. When Chat made it clear he was gone for good, Marinette herself had debated whether to leave Paris. The bakery could be given to other trusted business owners, the apartment could be rented out, and the internet was available to keep in touch with Ulya. This was also when the citizens were reacting negatively to her more brutal methods. She and Tiki had the discussion nearly every night, Tiki determined to get her away from the memories. In the end, Marinette won. They stayed in Paris, 
not because it was the smart thing to do, but because it was what felt right. Paris was her home, with or without her parents' presence. It had a hold on her soul like nothing else did. She could only hope it didn't pull it in the wrong direction. Marinette knew she shouldn't explore Luca's history any further. She had no interest in reconnecting with Luca, especially since they stood on opposing sides of the same battlefield. But that space between them was growing smaller and smaller with every new development, his protection of Olya Prime among them. Wiping the tines of her fork on embroidered napkin more for something to do than a something of actual purpose she braced her forearms on the table. You climbed through the ranks quickly, then. How do you do it? I've always been a listener, he said coyly, lounging against the chair's arm. All the serpents wanted tattoos, so my workshop was usually packed. They spoke of confidential things in the queue, talked about plans right under my nose. It didn't take much to formulate a plan of mutiny against the previous leader, especially when I got minutes, if not hours, alone with each of them. What did you say to convince them to join you? Luca grinned. It varied. Everyone has someone or something they want to protect. I asked a few questions, made the subtle suggestion they might be in danger, and that I was the only one with the resources to protect them. Back then, the serpents were barely getting by, so cash and resources were tight. Once they were convinced I could do better, they replaced the current leadership. A month later, our coffers were full, and we controlled most of the cargo going in or out of the city. Our members exploded after that, and, well, here we are. Using that illegally earned money to pay for a college student's meal, she added, her tone genuinely warm for once. Luca huffed a soft laugh, tugging absently at his lip ring. A good use of funds, if you ask me. As soon as Marinette's mouth twitched, there was a wave of guilt barreling through her gut. Luca wasn't her friend he hadn't earned her smiles. He was cutthroat and psychopathic and a menace to the public. But what had she seen to prove that? Sure, his men had shot at her, but he claimed it was a misunderstanding. Sure, he snuck into her room, but she had also lied her way into second skin. They were two sides of the same coin, the only difference being she had risen up against the darkness, and he rose with it. Still, she wasn't wholly convinced he was pure evil. He wasn't Hawkmoth, he didn't blindly attack the Parisian people. There was a moral code in his actions, as contradictory as it sounded. He had his own sense of justice, just as Ladybug did. The restaurant door swung, and Alec Allery gilded inside. He swept off his coat and handed it to the waiting Metro D. A gaggle of smartly dressed men followed him in, transparent wires curling from their ears Allery's protection squad, if first looks were to be believed. Do you know why we're here? Luca asked slowly, leaning forward to keep them from hearing. Breath caught in her throat. Marinette tore her gaze from their retreating forms to glance at Luca. His eyes were alight with earnestness, the idea in them clear. Luca stood and pulled on his jacket. Walking around the table to reach her, he dragged his mouth from her cheek to her ear. I have everything we need to put him away for good on a flash drive in my pocket. Use those magical powers of yours to bring him to the station, and I'll meet you there. 
With one last kiss to her temple, he straightened and grabbed her backpack from off the floor. He moved for the door before she could think to respond. Marinette stayed seated for a few fleeting moments, not sure whether to be impressed or disgusted. Somehow, Luca knew Allery would be here. He'd planned a setup, and she was a part of it. A swell of revulsion prickled over her skin. Wasn't this what she agreed to? Wasn't bringing down Allery and his network far more important than questioning Luca's intentions? At least for this brief instant, their interests appeared to align. She'd be an idiot to throw that away. Their table was in a secluded part of the restaurant, so she had no problem sneaking off the bathroom unseen. Tiki was taking a well-needed nap in her purse, and Marinette was reluctant to wake her up. Is it patrol time already? Tiki yawned. Marinette could barely contain her thrill. Allery's nearby. I'm taking him in. Blinking rapidly, Tiki protested, now. We don't have nearly enough evidence to convict him. Luca does. How do you know? I trust him, Marinette said, her tongue tripping over the words. She really didn't want to, but it was all she had. Every day, Allery was getting closer and closer to his goal, and she'd promised not to let it happen. It was a risk, but one she was willing to take. By the time she was transformed, Allery and his men had disappeared from the entry. A few hushed inquiries later, the waiters were pointing her in the right direction. They had reserved a room in the back of the restaurant, with only one entrance and exit. Shall I phone the police? the maitre d' asked, noticeably pale. Ladybug opened her mouth to dismiss him, but a familiar voice cut in. And disturb all your guests. We wouldn't dream of it, said Chat Noir, clapping the man on his shoulder. The maitre d' politely removed his hand, but his expression was a visible relief. When did you get here? Ladybug asked coolly, screaming internally. Because from an outsider's perspective, she and Luca probably looked like they were on a date, and if Chat had been in the area for a while, he might think they were together. He might think she was cheating on him. And then she'd lose the only person who ever knew her, he'd leave her again, only this time, he'd leave Marinette instead of Ladybug. Then she'd be alone like she'd never been before and have to live with the fact that she'd pushed Chat completely out of her life. But who was she to think she could keep someone as good as Chat Noir? A, a few minutes. Saw you in here and figured you could use my company, he said, but his jaw was uncommonly tense. He'd seen something, she was sure of it. But now she was Ladybug. She'd deal with Marinette's problems later. Right now, she had a child trafficker to deal with. Grabbing him roughly by the elbow, she dragged him toward the back of the restaurant. He made a sound of amusement, but her glare made him shut up. What's the switch? He whispered in her ear, and she flinched. Because Luca's mouth was just there but now it was chat, and he was right next to her, and if he'd seen her with Luca. Instead of answering him, she kept walking and silently called up a lucky charm. A canister dropped into her hand, and chat followed her further down the hallway. Sleeping gas, she murmured, shaking the canister in her hand. I'll toss it into the room, and when everyone's out, 
we grab Allery. Chat Noir's eyes went wide, but he didn't say anything. All he did was gesture for her to lead the way. She made to turn the corner, but he yanked her back by her yo-yo. Wait, he hissed at her scowl. I hear two guards outside. Let me clear it up. Reluctantly, she stepped aside. Rolling back his shoulders, Chat cracked his neck and prowled for the door. Two thunks later, he was beckoning her toward the door. She stepped over the unconscious security guards, taking a deep breath as she flexed her fingers to twist the door handle open. Chat had his ear pressed to the wall, deep creases between his closed eyes. She watched his ears flick back and forth anxiously, waiting for his signal. As much as she hated to admit it, his senses were far more perceptive than hers, and in a case as significant as Allery's, she didn't want to take the chance. He dipped his chin, and she pulled the pin and chucked the canister inside. Shouting rose from within, and she held the door firmly closed. The men pounded on the door, demanding to be let out in the filthiest language Ladybug had ever heard. Chat came up next to her, slamming his shoulder into the mahogany. Geese, how much did they eat in there, he grunted, pressing his entire back into the door. Ladybug was counting under her breath, waiting for the fists to stop reverberating through the wood. She was surprised they hadn't started shooting, but she supposed word would get out if they turned the restaurant into a war zone. All she could do was hold the door and hope things didn't escalate. A confused couple passed through the hall, and Chat raised a hand in greeting. Sorry guys, cussing is how they show love, he explained. They hurried past, and the pressure on the door subsided. Ladybug slid to the floor, groaning. We have to grab him before it wears off, she breathed, hurrying to wrench open the door. The floor was a sea of incapacitated men in suits. Allery was the only one sitting, slumped in his chair. Ladybug grabbed his arm and slung it across her shoulders, carrying him to the door. As much as she was buzzing to get out before the other men woke up, she couldn't help the exhilaration building in her chest. Because her fight against Allery was almost over all she had to do was get to the police station. But Luca had the evidence. If she wanted to turn him in, she had to meet up with Luca first. And Chatmore didn't know about their tentative truce. He was crouched near one of the bodies, head tilted. Something's not right, he said below his breath. The creases between his brow meant he was thinking hard enough that her absence wouldn't be noticed. While he was occupied, Ladybug half stumbled out of the restaurant, scrambling to zip away before Chat could catch up. She'd find him later and tell him Allery was locked up, that way he'd never have to know about Luca's involvement. Truthfully, it wasn't a big deal, and if he had seen Luca with Marinette, she didn't want to emphasize Luca's presence. The whole point of their temporary alliance was bringing down Allery's organization. The man was unconscious the entire way there, completely limp as they swung through the city. Ladybug spotted Luca's blue hair a block away from the station and she swung into the alleyway. That was a good idea, she panted, adjusting Allery over her shoulder so she had a free hand. You have the flash drive? Luca's face was the perfect picture of cooperation, his eyes as warm and caring as ever. 
But Ladybug hadn't survived this long without hypersensitive instincts. The hairs on the back of her neck rose, and she dropped Allery to sidestep her attacker's fist. He came at her from behind, going for her throat. She slammed him into a brick wall, not bothering to hold back on her strength. And then there was another, and another, and soon it was all she could do to keep her footing. Every time she tried to swing her yo-yo, there was another man there to smack it down. She smelled leather and blood, and the next time she whirled around to fight off someone else, a fist drove deliberately into her stomach. Ladybug staggered backward, holding her diaphragm. Despite her miraculous, she wasn't immune to human injuries. Her miraculous beeped, and she didn't know how much longer she had left. Why had she gone for a lucky charm? How could she be so foolish? She vomited into the gutter, her entire body trembling with shock and confusion. There were hands grabbing her shoulders, her waist, all with the intention of restraining her. As much as she thrashed, she couldn't fight them off. When they turned her around, she came face to face with Luca. His smile had curled into something smug and ugly. You're about to de-transform, he noticed, hands in his pockets. Over his shoulder, Allery was on his feet, coughing into a handkerchief. When he caught her eye, he flashed her a politician's sneering grin. Her breathing ragged, she did her best to raise her head. You tricked me. Her voice cracked, and her mouth tasted of bile. It didn't compare to the sour curdle in her stomach, the horror and shame roiling inside her. Only after you tricked me. Luca leaned closer, his nose nearly brushing the hollow of her throat. No one pulls the wool over my eyes and gets away with it, Marinette. Not even someone as magnificent as you. His hands came up, and she instinctively flinched. But they reached past her face, and panic flooded every inch of her being. No, she shrieked, writhing against the hands holding her still. The men didn't so much as budge, and Luca's cold rings brushed over her earlobe. No, you can't, you won't, if you do this I will kill you dash. When he finally pulled back, he'd taken her strength with him. She sagged in the lack of her transformation, feeling emptier than she'd ever felt in her life. Her power was gone, Tiki was gone, and all because she put her trust in the wrong person. Lucas slipped the earrings into his pants pocket, features set in an imitation of sympathy. For what it's worth, I'm sorry it was you, Marinette. The men let her go, and she fell to her knees on the cobblestone. Lucas shot her a last, pitying smirk before turning away. The other men fell in step behind him, Allery among their ranks, and they disappeared around the corner. The last thing she heard was Allery's pompous laughter echoing off the grimy drainpipes. Marinette tried to follow after them, but the agony in her core was excruciating. She'd taken too many blows to count, and as her adrenaline faded, the pain grew worse. She crawled forward a few feet before sagging onto the ground, letting the stones dig into her skin. She couldn't tell if she was dying or not, and she was too heartbroken to care. Tiki was gone, and it was her fault. Allery was free, and it was her fault. Everything was ruined, and it was her fault. She didn't know how long she laid across the road, but her arms and legs turned numb. 
She couldn't sleep through the pain in her ribs, the fire in her chest that blazed with every breath. When footsteps scuffled behind her, she figured Luca had come to finish the job. Princess? Marinette hated the way her eyes burned, but his voice was so kind, so unlike Luca's. Chat Noir knelt in front of her, his breathing shaky. Gently, he wrapped her up and drew her into him, her side pressed tight to his chest. Who did this to you, he hissed, voice trembling with restraint. She stifled a whimper, not sure if it was from her wounds or from the guilt. But she couldn't lie to him, not anymore. Luca Kufain. She braced herself for his fury, for his yelling. Instead, he pressed his forehead to hers, eyes closed. I'm so sorry, Marie, he murmured, holding her impossibly closer. I should have come sooner. You didn't know. As much as she fought it, the pressure in her eyes was building the longer she looked at him. After everything she'd done, everything she'd lost, Chat was here. He hadn't left her. Yet. Are you mad? she asked softly. His hair brushed over her brow as he shook his head. Not at you. At myself, for not getting here in time, and at Ladybug. Marinette startled, wincing as her stomach shrieked in pain. Just wait, she thought sadly. It gets worse. What did Ladybug do? She said reluctantly, keeping the wetness from her voice. We found one of the bigger gang leaders hiding in a restaurant. As he spoke, he stood up, gingerly pulling her up with him. But she didn't check it out well enough. Turns out the guy we were after had already been arrested. His guards were federal agents assigned to his witness protection detail. Turns out instead of capturing him, we freed him. Now she couldn't stop the tears from rolling silently down her cheeks. She let her head lay against his chest, listening to his heartbeat steadily through her head. He knows where I live, she whispered. Chat looked down, a sharp breath leaving his lips. I've got you, Marinette, he said gravely, tone heavy with promise. I'm taking you somewhere safe, okay? I have a friend in the area, he'll be more than happy to host you. And I'll only be a word away, he rushed to add at her stillness. If you say so, she murmured. It was more of a shock than she wanted to admit when they landed in the courtyard of the aggressed mansion, his movements smooth enough to keep her stable. I didn't know you and Adrian were friends, she said. His voice was strained. You know him. The shame flooded her all over again all the times he saw Luca picking her up, all the moments she ignored him in favor of playing Luca. She grabbed at Chat's shoulders. I can't face him. What do you mean? he asked, entirely confused. I've treated him horribly ever since he got back, and if he sees me like this, he'll think I'm weak, she blurted. Chat scoffed, pulling the front door open with his foot. What do you care what he thinks? I care what everyone thinks, she said honestly. He's no different. Chat didn't say anything for a long while navigating the labyrinth of the mansion's hallways effortlessly. Marinette glimpsed Adrian's room, but Chat took her into the one across the hall. He laid her across the bed, making sure she was comfortable before sliding his arms out from under her. 
I didn't feel any broken bones, I think it's just a lot of painful bruising, he said apologetically. I'll live, she said hollowly. An uncharacteristic frown curving his mouth, Chat leaned over her, hands braced on either side of her head. Get some rest, princess. Whatever you need, Adrian is right across the hall. And if you're uncomfortable with him, like I said, I'm just a shout away. He pressed a chaste kiss to her forehead, trailing a hand down her arm as he left. She wanted to call him back, to ask him to stay, but she couldn't subject him to her grief. She could never tell him that whenever he left, he took his warmth with him. Alone in a bed big enough for three people, Marinette felt the loneliness drag her into its ominous depths, the ghost of Tiki's voice echoing through the room. She wondered what the next Ladybug post would say, what the public might believe about her disappearance. The worst part was, she was the only one who knew the truth. Ladybug was dead, and Marinette had killed her.